It's Tuesday, April 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Brian White, and Morgan Housel. Good to see you, gents. Hello. Morgan's rocking the shorts today. Is it that warm outside? I'm, I'm going all in. I was brave this morning. Okay. I, I, I felt I've, I've been overdressed the last week, so I wanted to go all in. I feel morning. like I should point that out just because I've spent a decent amount of time commenting on the weather, particularly the cold, the extended cold winter we had. So for anyone who actually cares, that it's warmed up to the point where Morgan's rocking the shorts. So it is. Flip-flops, too, I'll add. I, I didn't ask. <laughs> um, we got a big deal in the pharmaceutical industry. We've got the latest results from McDonald's, uh, and we will dig into Jeff Bezos' annual shareholder letter. But let's start with Netflix. Stock's up about 6% this morning. First quarter came in better than expected, Brian. And the the two things that people seem to be focusing on are the subscribers and the price increase. The subscriber numbers they now got 34 million in the US, more than 48 million worldwide, and they're they announced they're going to increase the price of a streaming subscription by yeah. 1 to 2 dollars over the next couple of months. Sure seems like they learned from the the yes. Quickster debacle of 2011 <laughs> because this seems like a brilliantly executed price increase. Yeah, it's not to the extent that probably Reed would have hoped, right? Because it's only new subscribers. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of the brilliance, though, that they have grandfathered in existing subscribers and saying, yeah. "Hey, you're an exist." And by the way, doesn't that also give you, just as we saw with Amazon Prime, that gives you the impetus to subscribe now because the price increase hasn't taken ah, effect for new subscribers, yeah. and it won't for another month or so. Yeah, that's true. It, it's something that they had to do. Um, they need to show pricing power, right? So if I'm a long-term shareholder. Um, especially after the last debacle, I want to see some pricing power because content costs are going to c- continue to go up, and you need to c- continue to collect content, and you need to compete with some of the cable networks and some of the other networks. I mean, look at what AMC is doing. They're, they're putting out some quality content nowadays, so you need to continue to be able to uh, pay for the content into the future, and this is a good move, um, and, and it certainly didn't upset the Apple cart, which was huge. You know, Reed couldn't afford – they couldn't afford another big debacle. So I think this is well executed. And like I said, it's not to the extent that they wish, you know, they wish they could just across the board raise prices, but this is well executed. I agree with you. And existing subscribers are grandfathered in, but they're not grandfathered in in perpetuity. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true too. Their that's prices true. will increase a year About down a the year, line, yeah. a year or two down the that's line. True. So this seems like it is well executed. It's not the one fell swoop of a massive price, not even a massive price increase, a price increase across the entire pool of subscribers, Morgan. But it does have that steady drumbeat that we've seen in the past with Costco when they increase their subscriptions, and presumably we will see with Amazon Prime. I mean, if 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 you're a Netflix customer and a, and a one dollar a month increase is 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 ticking you off for the incredible value that you're getting right. and the growing value that they're getting with more content, I mean, that's that that says more about you than it does Netflix. Well, that's what that's what didn't make a lot of sense last time to me. I mean, I just kind of sat back and kind of laughed at all the. There's always going to be a subset yeah. of customers, especially when you're dealing with a company that has 35 million customers. There's always going to be a subset of people that are just irrationally. Uh, uh, you know, arguing with the company and upset at the company for whatever reason. And Brian, I'm not a shareholder, but from where I sit, Netflix is in a stronger position to execute this kind of price increase, if only for the fact that unlike three years ago, 
Now they have original content they're producing yeah. in shows like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, highly rated, yeah. just all these great reviews. And it seems like they they have more pricing power than they did three years ago. Yeah. I, I, well, when you're growing your subscriber count at 20% a year and you, you're starting to produce original content, yeah. I mean, I think, I think they do. I think they've had pricing power. But they haven't executed it. They haven't executed and fulfilled it. And it makes sense. As a growth company, you're not so uh, – you want to grow your base before you start raising prices. So it made sense. Um, it just was poorly executed last time. Shares of Valiant Pharmaceuticals up this morning, more than 5%. Uh, this is a Canadian pharmaceutical company that is reportedly teaming up with activist investor Bill Ackman to acquire – is it Allergen or Allergan? Allergan. Allergan, Allergan. However, it's a, it's a company that makes Botox. Yeah, <laughs> ticker A-G-N. And the size of this deal, Brian, it is a $45 billion cash and stock deal. Valiant is, I think I have this right, it's a holding in the Everlasting Portfolio yes, in is. Motley Fool One. Yes, it is. So this is a company you watch. Do you like this deal? Love it. Um, as far as, as, as the information I know right now, I love it. I, last night I was working through some numbers because Valiant runs their business quite a bit different than a normal ph- pharmaceutical company. They don't um, pl- plug a bunch of uh, money into R&D. They actually do the opposite. They're just looking for commercial products, typically products that don't require insurance refunds, so cash, kinda, cash products. Um, this is a very interesting deal, and I'll tell you why. When Mike Pearson, the CEO of Valiant, took over in 2008, one example of kind of how he rolls and how the business model is, in the dermatology market, at the time, they were the 11th player with about 1% market share. He did a ton of acquisitions, right? became the number one player in dermatology, and his collection of products were doing over 50% operating margins about three, four, five years after the big roll-up. Right, so that's beautiful. Right, here's here's what he can do with Allergen. I was running some numbers last night. Allergen right now, their cash on cash operating margins are about thirty two and a half percent. That's a beautiful business, right? But if if you roll that into Valiant's model and you cut R and D down to about three percent of sales, right now it's about sixteen and a half percent of sales under Allergen. You cut SGNA about twenty percent, cost of goods sold ten percent, very minor cuts, very minor cuts. You're you're easily doing over 50% operating margins with this allergen business. And allergen is a very interesting business. They have a huge eye business, which is going to roll through beautifully within Valiant, because Valiant already has Bausch & Lomb. And then another, uh, and then the Botox, which is another growth market for uh, Valiant. So about half the sales are eye, related to eyes, and then half the sales is related to aesthetics, which is going to be Botox, breast implants, and uh, face surgery. Isn't it a little plastic sad? surgery? Isn't sorry. it a little sad that Botox is a growth market? I don't know. It, is, it, <laughs> it, it says a lot about the country. <laughs> um, do I have this right, Brian? That this is this is not a happy merger of two companies. No, this because is a host- uh, one report well, I saw said this is a hostile takeover. Chris, well, whenever is, Bill Ackman is involved, someone is not yeah. going to be happy. And Chris, this is this is hostile because Valiant runs the pharmaceutical business unlike anyone else. Allergen knows that their R&D pipeline they've been working on for years and years and years is going to be completely cut off. Of course Allergen's not going to be happy about this. Everything they've been working on, right, is going to be completely cut off and it's just going to be a commercial business. Let's move on to McDonald's first quarter results, profit margins were down. 
same store sales in the United States down nearly two percent. I don't know, Morgan. This this seems like one of those things where blaming it on the weather is not going to cut it. No, I, I think it's natural for companies to want to blame something on the weather, and, <laughs> and, and maybe it had some impact. But I mean, it's it's one quarter. I, I think if you're a long term investor in in McDonald's shares, it's not something that you should get up in arms about. They're they're, they're still opening a fairly decent number of stores going forward. They're still going to find growth someplace. It, it's it's a great great well run company. I think if you're a long term investor, these things shouldn't bother you too much. Well, and Morgan or uh, Brian, it it also points to the difference in expectations for investors when comparing a growth restaurant company to an established massive player like McDonald's because you have McDonald's comps in the U.S. falling a little bit and the stock is basically flat. It was up maybe half a percent today, whereas last week we saw Chipotle, same store sales in the U.S., up more than 13 percent and the stock got hit a little bit. Well, it's one of the it's one of the things you need to consider if you're going to go all blue chip is that anything within the global economy, any kind of hiccups is going to likely impact you. Um, unlike you know your fast growing companies where the demand is 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 growing, Chipotle didn't have a problem with traffic you know during the weather weather issues, and McDonald's does, and that's part of that's part of understanding that when you're buying a huge massive business, global business that isn't growing particularly quickly. That any kind of you know any kind of macroeconomic situation is likely to impact you. Didn't Warren Buffett say that pricing power is, if not the number one thing, but one of the top things he likes to see in a business? Yeah, absolutely. And something that Tom yes. Gardner talks about a lot too is that it's most powerful when a company has pricing power but doesn't use it. So Tom talks a lot about Costco. Costco could raise their membership fees quite a bit if they wanted to, but they don't. Which is a it's a brilliant way to have that power there if you need it, but to keep your customers happy at the same time. If Costco raised its standard membership fee from fifty dollars to seventy five dollars, fifty percent raise, I'm I'm willing to bet an infinitesimally small percentage of members would revolt and move on. But it's it's not going to do that because it's it, it's a way of respecting your customers to make them happy and and keep them members for life. Really, I know that McDonald's has pricing power with suppliers because of how big they are. Do they have it with customers, or do they not need it with customers because they already have it with suppliers? I think we've seen it over the years with customers on um, price raises on the menu. At least I don't know. I'm mean, growing up. I mean, it, it, although a it does, value meal now is what six, seven bucks, and it never was like that. What was it like three, four bucks right. when we were growing up? Yeah. Yeah, but we're old, Brian. Yeah, that's well, true. well, not you that's and Morgan, true. but that's me. true. That's true. But what's interesting, Chris, is is uh, Chipotle has this in spades and it'll eventually start, you know, pushing on its pricing power if it raises a burrito a dollar fifty cents, you know, no one's gonna blink an eye. Yeah, that, I saw one report where someone was talking about the price of a burrito, a Chipotle burrito in New York City and how with their most recent price increase it was probably gonna go from seven dollars and eighty one cents to eight dollars and twenty cents. Oh, I think, I, and I just thought, okay, so about a five percent increase. So where's my burrito? Does that? Yeah, where's, <laughs> where's my burrito? Yeah, the, I did, the, I, the price difference at from a, a Chipotle burrito uh, in California versus New York, where I, I've been in the last month, is probably is twenty five thirty percent. Doesn't it doesn't it doesn't affect me very much? Maybe, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's not normal for me, but it's. 
when, when, when you really love a product that much and you're completely attached to it and you feel like there are no substitutes, that's when you get pricing power and you're not going to mind. But you did bring up a great point. McDonald's has pricing power you know, against its suppliers like no other. And you know, even Chipotle, because of the way that it sources its product, is gonna, it's going to take much more scale to be able to lever the kind of pricing power on suppliers like McDonald's does. Earlier this month, Amazon.com founder and CEO Jeff Bezos released his annual letter to shareholders. And here's a little nugget from within the letter. Morgan, he wrote about a program, an internal program at Amazon.com called Pay to Quit. And I'll just quote directly from the shareholder letter. Bezos writes, Pay to Quit is pretty simple. Once a year, we offer to pay our associates to quit. The first year the offer is made, it's for $2,000. Then it goes up $1,000 a year until it reaches $5,000. He went on to note that the headline on the offer is, please don't take this offer. We hope that they don't take the offer. We want them to stay. What is the psychology behind a program like this? Well, there's there's a recent Gallup survey that showed that half of American employees are disengaged in their work. They come they come to work and they do their job, but they're just kind of coasting along. Another 18% are actively disengaged. So they're actively trying to spread dissent among coworkers and whatnot. That's 70% of the workforce combined is either disengaged or actively disengaged. As a company, you want to get rid of those employees as quickly as possible. But I think a lot of times you don't exactly know who they are because you're, you're a worker. You're putting on a show for your boss. You're telling them, oh, I'm, I love my job. I'm doing great. I love, I, you know, I'm really motivated. Because it's putting food on your table, and that's that's what you want to do. But you really want to get rid of those employees if you are an employer. So paying them to quit, and you're saying if two thousand dollars is worth more than your job here, then you should move along. And it's actually a brilliant business move for the company because those employees, you're gonna, you know, if you don't do something like this, do something proactive to get those employees out the door, they're gonna stick around. And you're gonna pay them a full time salary and benefits and vacation pay and whatnot, and they're gonna be dragging down the company. So I think it, it's it's really a brilliant move that more more companies should. I think this was really started by Zappos a couple of years ago. They started the program where each employee, one month after they hired you, they offered you a thousand dollars to quit. And I, I I'm pretty sure the number wait was, one month I, after your first month they offered you a thousand dollars to quit. And and the, that seems and, early. And the ta- <laughs> the, the take up rate was like ten percent of employees that that actually took it. It was yeah. it was incredibly small. So I think it's more effective after the first month. To to offer something like that, I can't imagine many people are going to take two thousand to go, you know, hit the unemployment line. So if the Motley Fool starts this program and you get an offer two grand, I don't know if I could take. Yeah, no. I don't know if my number is is two grand. It might be several orders of magnitude. Well, you you were saying before you started taping, we've all got a number. (laughs) Now it's it's probably not two thousand dollars. It's probably not five thousand dollars. But there's a number. Everyone's got a number. If Tom Gardner stops by your desk and just keeps adding zeros, eventually he's going to hit a number where you're like, well, look. At some point, I'm going to tell him to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Good enough. All right. Brian White, Morgan Hazel. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 